Ever heard of the medieval English queen who used boiling beer and attack bees to successfully repel the Vikings? Or the princess in Renaissance Sweden who turned to a life of piracy? What about the 17th century Angolan princess who executed a man for daring to criticize her active sex life? These are just three women profiled on Vulgar History, a feminist women's history comedy podcast. My name is Ann Foster, and the goal of this podcast is to share the stories of history's most scandalous women, both those you've never heard of, as well as taking a new look at ones whose stories you thought you knew. Vulgar History is available on all podcasting platforms. Hope you take a listen. So you think you can rule Persia, the podcast where we rate and review all the kings of Persia from Diochis to Yazdegerd III. I'm Serial, and my pronouns are they, them. And I'm Umberto, my pronouns are he, him. Okay, so hello everybody and welcome to episode 15, which is a lot. And Look at us, yay. still working on this. We still haven't collapsed, amazing. that's amazing, great. And we finally reached Artaxerxes III, so we've had three of these guys. Our first the third, that's another first i suppose but hey good so what happened last time under our old pal artaxerxes ii who ruled for approximately ever and uh had a lot of things happen under his reign oh right it was a really long reign also i'm looking at my notes because i was trying to find if we already knew the name of the next person you know if it was someone who changed their names later Mm -hmm. or how it worked and (laughs) one of my last notes is cyrus dies Barisatis kills everyone. Xenophon brings <laughs> soldiers home. I mean, that is not wrong. Barisatis <laughs> kills everyone. Yep, that's pretty much what happened. The interesting thing is that history stopped after 400 BC because nobody was left alive after Parasatis got to them. It's a little known fact, but this is all an illusion. Yep, everyone's uh, dead. Sorry. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> I, listen, I had to stop taking notes like halfway through the episode last time, so there might be some things missing. Yeah, so here's the short, short version of Artaxerxes II. Right. So he had a civil war early on with his brother Cyrus over the throne. Big epic mm-hmm. battle. Cyrus wins, but is killed eventually. So Artaxerxes is king. Hooray. Artaxerxes tries and fails to invade Egypt like four times. Doesn't work any of the times. Yeah, I, listen, I feel like we should just give up on Egypt by now. (laughs) He sort of has his fingers a little bit in Greek politics, where Sparta has its hegemony and then eventually loses it in favor of Thebes. But the Achaemenes are trying to keep the situation roughly stable, at least for Anatolia. And then Mm -hmm. towards the end of Artaxerxes' life... There was a massive war where almost everything collapsed when a whole bunch of satraps rebelled at the same time, and they coordinated Mm -hmm. with the Egyptians to try and destroy the empire. But fortunately for Artaxerxes, there was a coup in Egypt which made the Egyptian part collapse, and then the leader of the satraps' revolt gave up his co-conspirators so he could keep his job. And so the rebellion sort of ended somehow, even though a lot of the rebels (laughs) still have their jobs. We'll just say it's over. Yeah. You know, uh, that's it. Yeah. And then the succession was kind of messy because a lot of people died. One of the sons of Artaxerxes tried to kill him. Another son killed himself. And now the third son is Ocus, who changed his name to Artaxerxes III and is now today's episode. History repeats itself. Yes, it's very familiar. All right, let's do this. So, what about Artaxerxes III? What do we know about him? Well, again, as I mentioned, he was born as Ochus, and is the son of Artaxerxes II and Statyra, his wife that was eventually murdered by Parasatis. Oh, yeah. Oof. (laughs) Yeah, I keep forgetting about all of this. There was a lot of stuff that happened. Mostly Parasatis killing people. That is the main part of history, really. And yeah, so this Ochus was born sometimes between 410 and 400 BC, because that's when Statyr was alive and he was one of the youngest children that they had. So there we go. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so even before becoming king, he had a lot of important tasks he had to undergo. 
Oh. Because the first time we hear about him is during the whole massive rebellion at the end of the last reign. Mm-hmm. When Ocus is given the command of uh, an army of, of his father to try and hold some of the cities in Phoenicia. Mm-hmm. And not only that, he was also apparently the one who received the surrender of the Egyptian king, who was dethroned just sitting there with an army and no kingdom. Right. So that's nice. That's a good career to start from. That's a good Yeah, yeah. It's not bad. You know, a couple little things under your belt. Yeah. Let's go. Good practice. Then after a while, as we saw, through the luck of his elder brother Darius attempting to kill his father, but failing right. miserably. Whoops. And through the scheming of Ocus, who forced his slightly older brother Ariaspes to kill himself. Who was just too good for this world, apparently. Yes, he was just like a nice person who was not fit for playing the game, unfortunately. Yeah. So at this point, in the end, Ocus manages to become king of kings and name himself Artaxerxes III, because I'm honestly not sure why everybody chooses Artaxerxes. There are very few people that choose, like, Darius or Xerxes or Cyrus, but eh. It might just be a popular name, you know? Like, people might like it. It might... It could be, but, like, if I were looking at the reign of Artaxerxes II, I wouldn't say, yes, that's what I want to inspire myself on. I'd hmm. say, maybe... let's look back at, like, Darius the first and say, or maybe Xerxes the first yeah. and say, okay, cool. This is what I want to point towards as my inspiration. Yeah, you know what? That's a good point. I can't really find... I was, like, thinking, okay, there must be some <laughs> other... Re- which, yeah, I'm sure there's some I mean, some it could be reason, that but... maybe since his succession was a little bit disputed, he wanted to connect himself to the crown. And since... Yeah, but, like... Since the king had been called Artaxerxes for the last 40 years... You know, makes sense that you're... Yeah. If you want to be king, it fits, but eh. Maybe. Still, I would have chosen a different name. There we go. Well, you can choose when it's your turn, you know? (laughs) Perfect. As soon as I inherit the throne. Excellent. And uh, yeah, so what happens as soon as Artaxerxes takes the throne? Well, he realizes that he has, according to the Greeks, approximately a hundred siblings. Great. (laughs) That is for sure... True. Eh. I'm sure there's no exaggeration in that. Yeah, he has a lot of siblings. But yeah, so in the end, he decides that, you know what, these people are all a threat. We all saw what happened with my father and no. Uncle Cyrus. I know. It's not comfortable to have these people around. So. Artaxerxes, don't. Don't start your reign with mass murder. You don't have to do this. He's already killed one brother. Might as well. So he decides oh to execute all of his siblings, regardless of age or sex, entirely oh, eliminating Oh my god. Them. I... Oh. <laughs> okay, well, you know, he takes after his grandma. Yeah, exactly. What the hell? Yeah, so he has decided that, yes, it's nice to have some spare heirs, but also it's nicer to have a secure succession. So there we go. Wow, Artaxerxes starting out strong. All right. Yes. And now that his throne is secure, he wants to secure the borders of the empire to make sure that everything is in order. Because when we just left off, the empire was about to collapse. So Artaxerxes decides that he wants things to be in order. He wants things to work. So first mission is the Caduceans. Remember the ones that Artaxerxes II had fought but failed so humiliatingly he had to kill the witnesses. Those people. Yes, yes, the... Oh, God. <laughs> Wait, listen, so many good decisions were made in the past. Very logical, very mentally healthy and stable. We love them. Next time you trip on the sidewalk and you feel terrible because someone saw you, just think of this, you know? Yeah. At least you don't have to kill them. That's, a, that's nice. That's a good outcome. So the Third launches an expedition against the Caducians and manages to suppress them. He manages to ensure that this region is stable now and they will not rebel anymore. Right. And as an interesting note, here we meet a character that we'll see in the future. So during this campaign, there's a certain noble of, it's basically a distant Achaemenid. It seems like he was probably a descendant of Darius II, so like a distant cousin, called Artashata, although the Greeks sometimes call him Kodomanus. Right, because why not? Because reasons. So uh, this young noble distinguished himself in the fighting. And apparently he personally killed an enemy that had presented himself to fight in single combat. Mm -hmm. And so Artaxerxes was so impressed by this Artashata that he gave him the satrapy of Armenia to rule. So keep in mind, Artashata, he'll be back in 
All like right. Next Making episode ish. Making a yeah. note. So there we go. But now, now that these rebellious tribes have been dealt with, Artaxerxes mm -hmm. has decided that he wants to deal with what remains of the satrap rebellion in the West. Mm. Because, as we mentioned, a lot of satraps weren't really punished. Everybody just agreed to say, okay, let's just stop. We're all tired. Mm -hmm. Let's go home. War sucks. Let's not do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what happens is that Artaxerxes orders the satraps of Asia Minor to give up their Greek mercenaries. They're saying, okay, if you're not going to fight me, you don't need to have swords anymore. So mm -hmm. send them all home. I don't want to see them. Right. But one of these satraps called Artabazus, who had participated in the revolt previously, decides, oh no, this sounds like I'm going to get arrested soon. I'll revolt now. Yeah. The time to try one last time before, you know? <laughs> yeah, let's see. Just another shot. Time to uh, save my neck, hopefully. Let's see how it goes. So at this point, Artabazus calls up the Athenians and says, Athenians, you want to kick some Achaemenid butt? Because we're going <laughs> to. Would you like to join? And then the Athenians look in the direction of Artaxerxes III and his body pile of siblings, and they say... Mm -hmm. Thanks, but we're busy. Good luck with your thing. In the meantime, however, the semi-independent satraps are still messing things up. Because right. satrap Mausolus, the guy from the mausoleum who was on the coast of Anatolia, was busy acting sort of independently and taking a lot of Athenian-aligned cities on the coast because Athens right. wasn't doing great. Uh -huh. So this changes the Athenian plan. The Athenians now decide that, well, since they're going to be messing with us, we might as well mess with them as well. <laughs> Let's go. Yes, so the Athenians get allied with Artabazus, making a deal saying, okay, if you help us take back our cities, we'll help you with your whole rebellion thing. Well, Artabazus, that sure worked out for you, huh? <laughs> yeah, worked Looking great. for help among the Athenians. <laughs> so, perfect. And at this point, the rebellion starts to grow again. There's a new satrap revolt, which is growing, and Artaxerxes' plan is starting to backfire quite seriously. Oops. It's so bad that Aruandus, who was the leader of the previous satrap's revolt and had returned uh -huh. to his own satrapy, joins the rebellion again. Oh my god. Just let it go, man. So, there we go. At this point, the whole satrap revolt starts up again with the aid of Athens, trying to take down the empire once more. But Artaxerxes isn't a pushover. Artaxerxes takes command of an army and heads over to crush the rebels and ensure that they don't get any more ideas, because this has been going on for too long. Yeah. So he heads over and defeats Aruandas in one first battle, fortunately. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards... Artaxerxes has access to Athens. He has access to the sea once more. And he threatens the Athenian government by saying, listen, if you leave now, it's going to be fine and I won't seek revenge. If you don't, I'm going to Promise. send my entire fleet to destroy what little remains of your empire. So maybe give up now. <laughs> Whoops. And the Athenians agreed. The Athenians said, oh, oh dear. That doesn't Coolio. sound good. And they say, yeah, yeah, okay, sorry, we didn't mean to... Oh, that was your satrap, sorry. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was an enemy kingdom. No, 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 it's fine. You can, you can deal with the rebels. It's okay, bye. But at this point, there is more mess, because who's leading Greece right now? Well, it's the Thebans. Hey, I love so, them. Yes, <laughs> so the Thebans decide that being the Greeks in charge right now, they're mm -hmm. the ones who are going to try and mess with the Achaemenids again. Let's go. Because this is how we roll. You yes. just cannot have nice things, can yes. we? So Thebans ally with Artabazus, and they try and help him out, send supplies, send soldiers. But fortunately for us, the Theban general in charge of the invasion and Artabazus have a serious disagreement, which forces the Thebans to withdraw their support, because mm. they don't like Artabazus and what his deal is. So at this point, Artaxerxes comes in, defeats Artabazus, and manages to defeat Aruandas as well. So he defeats all of these satraps mm -hmm. and stabilizes Anatolia at last. And right. while Aruandas is caught and ended, mm -hmm. Artabazus manages to flee. Sneaky. Yes, and he flees, of course, to Greece. But to who exactly? Well, the Thebans are going well, but they're on the way out. 
there's a new rising star in the north, which is a certain man called Philip II of Macedon. (gasps) Oh boy, here we go. (laughs) And so Artabazus flees to Macedon, where he tells Philip about the riches of Asia and how cool it would be to take over. And Philip starts thinking about it. He will take the next few decades thinking about, hmm, what's the best way to try and attack the Achaemenids? We'll see. Interesting. I guess stay tuned to find out, everybody. Yeah, stay tuned to figure out what happens to this Philip character. Does he get to invade? Does he not? Will he die horribly? Will he live a long and peaceful life? We'll see. Yeah, you know, not common. (laughs) All right, so. Okay, so now finally Anatolia is secured. The rebel satraps have been crushed. The rebellions in the center have been subdued. Awesome. Yeah, because we left last episode with the empire like starting to crumble badly. Like, everything was uncertain, there were so many rebellions, everything was just going to (laughs) Yes, exactly. But now, Artaxerxes has decided that if he can't bring back a golden age, he's at least trying to make a silver age. Right. So let's see how that goes. But, you know, what is the last bit that's missing from the empire? What is the last task that he should do? I honestly have lost count. I don't know. Egypt. I mean, I, I thought we weren't doing... That's what came to mind, but I thought we weren't doing Egypt anymore. Haven't we well, given up already? No, never. We had no claim anymore. Like, it just... It fully... It's been 50 years since Egypt was last in the empire, but now it's yeah, time exactly. to bring it back. Oh, my God. Just why? <laughs> <laughs> just let it go. So, yeah. I cannot believe we're here again. I cannot believe we're here again. <laughs> just... How... Why are you like this? <laughs> Artaxerxes has started his reign with blood. He wants to end it with blood. Oh, all right. Well, let's go. What happens? So he sends a first expedition under a series of subject generals. But this one fails. So Artaxerxes makes plans for his own personal campaign. Mm. But this, his plans are disrupted when in 351, there is a large-scale revolt in Syria, Phoenicia, and Cyprus, supported by the Egyptian pharaoh, who was, oh. wants his independence, clearly. Apparently, it seems like the revolt in Phoenicia started because the local satraps had been arrogant towards the locals. Mm -hmm. So the rebellion started by destroying the royal park that the Persian kings had had around the city of Sidon. At this point, the local satraps tried to deal with the rebellion first before having to tell dad. And uh, they tried to invade first, but the rebels were reinforced by the Egyptians, who had paid for a number of Greek mercenaries. So the local satraps are pushed back, Mm. at which point Artaxerxes himself decides, okay, that's it. I'm going. Let's crush them all. So he heads towards Phoenicia. And at this point, the king of Sidon sends a letter to Artaxerxes. Right. What does he want? The king of Sidon says, listen, I know that you're a powerful king. I know that you're really scary. And I know that my rebellion is going to fail if I keep to it. So I'm going to betray the city and help you against Egypt. How does (laughs) that sound? Uh Uh-huh. I mean... And Artaxerxes says, okay, fine, sounds good. I'll accept your surrender. Bring a hundred important citizens from the city to my army, and with them we should be able to subdue the rebellion. And that sounds awesome. Great. Does this go as planned, or does Artaxerxes take this information to incriminate the other guy and actually take the city for himself by being like, look at this person must be deposed the answer is yes yes (laughs) i knew it you you don't go to a powerful person that you want to impress and be like hey so i'm thinking about high treason what do you think hey so i'm a traitor can i work for you (laughs) thank you like what i the what was the thought process here seriously (laughs) not much really (laughs) there wasn't any no thoughts behind those eyes So the king of Sidon comes out of his city with a hundred prominent nobles from his city and brings them over to Artaxerxes. He justifies this to nobles by saying, oh, we're just going to a common Phoenician gathering. It's just to discuss the rebellion. Don't don't question it. It's okay. All right. And they didn't question it. Nope. So Artaxerxes takes all these rebellious nobles and has them all executed for rebellion. Uh Uh-huh. And then he goes with the king of Sidon all the way to the city And the king says, it's okay, they're with me, let them in. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they are both together waving from the balcony and Artaxerxes just goes, oops, and just pushes him. <laughs> Pretty much, yes. Artaxerxes yeah. decides, you've outlived your usefulness. Bye-bye, traitor. And he dies. Yes. So there we go. I knew it. That is excellent. Artaxerxes is going to get some extra points in scheme. I mean, yes, it's not I, really scheme, but like, it's scheme to, to actually go shockier. for this. And we'll see the opportunity, you know, and take it and have no shame about it, which is yeah, great. I mean, he does not have shame. Shame is not a feeling that Artaxerxes can feel. It's yeah. something that he doesn't need. I, I agree. So yeah, so at the same time, a general of Artaxerxes managed to take Cyprus, so here we go. Full-scale invasion of Egypt with Artaxerxes at the head, 346 BC, let's go. Mm -hmm. So Artaxerxes, first of all, asks to all the cities in Greece, hey guys, we're going to take back Egypt, who wants money? <laughs> Anyone want to join? <laughs> There's candy. Yeah. So Athens and Sparta refuse on friendly terms. They say, we'd love to, but... We've been under the weather for the past 50 years, so we don't really <laughs> have the resources to, for this. I can't go. <laughs> I'm sick. <laughs> Pretty much. But Thebes and Argos say, ooh, money, you say? Money? Oh, yes, let's invade <laughs> Egypt. Hooray! Woo! And so they send a nice group of mercenaries to Artaxerxes, oh. who has so many mercenaries that he has to divide his army under the control of two different men. Okay. The Greek mercenaries are under a man called Mentor of Rhodes. He's a Greek. He knows them. He's going to be yeah. going to be able to rapport with them better. And then his rest of the imperial army is generally under the eunuch Bagoas. Okay. Who, if you know the eunuch Bagoas, no, not that Bagoas. This is another one. I, you know, do not know him, but... You'll but, find but out, we... but... <laughs> Different man. Same name. Yeah, pretty much. It's apparently a common eunuch name. I don't know. So there we go. At this point, the invasion of Egypt starts. And we are told by the Greek sources, at least, that some Spartan mercenaries are working on the side of the Egyptians. And that as soon as they see the Theban mercenaries, they decide right. to fight them as hard as possible. Oh, no. <laughs> and yeah, apparently the Greeks take the most pride in fighting each other and showing that, no, 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 we're the best Greeks. No, 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 I, we're the I best Greeks. I love this. What, unifying against a common goal? Nah, f*** that. <laughs> We're just going to punch each other on the fight face. Fight Greeks, fight Greeks. Yes, Greeks against Greeks. Woo! <laughs> Excellent. Perfect, yes. And uh, yeah, apparently during this expedition, the pharaoh of Egypt called Nectanebo, the second incidentally. Nectarine. Yes, Nectarine. <laughs> Sorry. Lost a crucial battle against Artaxerxes, apparently because he was inexperienced as a general. And he took personal command over the Greek mercenaries, presuming that he could govern them better. But then again, these are the Greeks telling us, so maybe they're just uh, saying. Yeah, mm -hmm. who knows. Also, apparently we're told that Nectanebo decided to lead this expedition in person, rather than delegating to another general, because he had a prophetic dream that is recorded uh, here in we a papyrus. Go. Let's go. I like prophetic dreams. Yes, they're excellent. So in this prophetic dream, Nectanebo saw a great throne upon which the goddess Isis sat, surrounded by all the other gods. At which point the god of war, Onuris, mm -hmm. begged this goddess to help him because he'd done all he can to help Nectanebo and uh, he couldn't really complete his work because his temple was half finished. And so, well, without his full power, he can't help the pharaoh. Mm -hmm. At which point Nectanebo saw this and said, ah, okay, I know what to do to win the war. So he told his advisors, go to this temple that I saw in my dream and finish it. <laughs> That makes perfect sense. Yeah, of course. You know, reasonable. Because apparently the temple was all finished, but it didn't have any hieroglyphs on it. So it wasn't fully complete. Right. So Nicktonabel gave money to a servant of his to go and finish this work as soon as possible. But the servant went to the temple to inspect it. And in the temple, there was the beautiful daughter of a perfume maker. Oh, don't. And then... Here we go. Unfortunately, the papyrus is incomplete, so we don't know what they got up to, but, you know. <laughs> I mean, I have a few options. <laughs> Listen. We can assume they played checkers together, and they had a great time, and they lost track of the time, and so, you know, didn't manage to... Yeah, and the, the money books. just uh, mysteriously vanished. Yeah, of course. And, you know. It happens. So, yes, no matter what happened, Temple was unfinished in the end, so there we go. This is so ridiculous. I, I love it. <laughs> At this point, finally, we have that Artaxerxes managed to obtain the surrender of the city of Pelusium, 
which is essentially the doorway to Egypt. It's pretty much on the coast and it separates Egypt from the rest of Asia, essentially. And so in Pelusium, several of the soldiers under the command of the eunuch Bagoas started looting the city to the point that some of the locals started attacking them because why are you looting our city? Mm -hmm. But apparently Artaxerxes was magnanimous enough to side with the Pelusians and executed the soldiers responsible for looting and told everybody, no, we're here to retake this place. If we're going to do any looting, it's because I say so. Uh huh. Only when I say so, it's okay. Now it's not, so stop it. Yeah, yeah. So at this point, then, Artaxerxes sent word to all of the remaining cities in Egypt that were under Nectanebo's control, saying, listen, if you surrender, I will reward you greatly. If you don't, I will kill every last one of you. Yeah, you know. Like, Do you like the you deal? Surrender, I will reward you. If you don't, I'll kill you. What is the reward? Not killing you. Just <laughs> Yes, pretty much. You get to live and not have a city burned to the ground. How does that sound? <laughs> yeah, but apparently there was an actual monetary reward of some sort. Because we get reports Excellent. from inside the different Egyptian cities of arguments between the Egyptians and their Greek mercenaries on who would be the first to surrender and get the reward. <laughs> Excellent. So, not ideal, but hey. I love this, though. Just let's bet on it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. There's also a particular example of this whole surrender going on in the city of Bubastis, where apparently Bagoas and Mentor of Rhodes, the commanders of, respectively, the Achaemenid mm -hmm. and uh, Greek mercenary forces, were commanding the siege. So the Egyptians first sent a message of surrender. Right. But then the Greeks intercepted this message and oh, no. attacked the Egyptians saying, wait, why are you trying to give us up? We're going to surrender first if anybody's going to surrender, not you. Oh! <laughs> oh no, now they're rushing for it. I love this. This is so silly. However, it also seems like there was some dispute in the Achaemenid camp because apparently the Greeks in Bubastis were in communication with Mentor of Rhodes to betray Bagoas. Oh, whoops. So that Mentor would get all the glory. Okay. So apparently Bagoas was allowed to enter the city by the Greeks, but as soon as he was inside, the Greeks closed the gates and captured him. Oh, whoops. But luckily enough for our side, at least, it seems that Bagoas and Mentor made some sort of deal together, and after Bagoas being imprisoned, they all agreed, okay, fine, you're going to be free, let's just take the city peacefully, nobody has to argue, it'll be okay, please. But I'm proud of these, you know, not escalating it further. Yeah, and actually, the collaboration went so well, the Bagoas and Mentor worked really well for the rest of the conquest of Egypt. Oh, they managed to take wow. each city bit by bit, working very well together. Impressive. Yeah, I guess they got along as, uh, you know, work yeah, exactly. partners. Wow. Yeah, after that brief hostage incident at the beginning, it all went fine. <laughs> it's all water under the bridge. Yeah, what's a hostage negotiation among colleagues? It's okay. Exactly. You get it, right? Yeah, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, it was it's a strategic cool, goal. It's cool, it's cool, don't worry. Yeah. We've all had a bit to drink, it's okay. <laughs> so at this point, seeing all his cities starting to surrender, the pharaoh next to Nabo flees Egypt. He leaves it entirely, going south to Nubia, where he has a short-lived little kingdom that is eventually destroyed. Mm -hmm. At this point, Artaxerxes enters triumphantly into Memphis. Finally, Egypt is part of the Achaemenid Empire once more after 50 years of rebellion. Whoa. Artaxerxes I, honestly, has taken it back. I can't... I don't know how to react. I, I can't... Yeah. I, wow, I, I can't <laughs> believe it. Just uh, good unexpected. job, Artaxerxes. I did not expect this. I expected this to go terribly, terribly wrong. So go you. Yeah, he did a great job. And when he enters Egypt, he ensures that he will destroy the walls of the main cities to make sure that... You know, no easy revolt this time. If you take a city, we'll take it back quickly. And he greatly rewarded both Mentor and Bagoas because Mentor was given control of the coast of Asia Minor, where he could take control mm -hmm. of all the Greek pirates being a pain in the neck, as they have been for the last two centuries. As pirates do, right? Yeah. While Bagoas, in the meantime, was given essentially a role as his chief advisor. All right. Commanding a large part of the empire and being his delegate. Good. Yeah. So Good. Egypt is there, finally. But how was Egypt treated after these actually 65 years of independence? 
Well, we get different reports. The Greeks tend to like to portray Artaxerxes with his bloodthirsty persona, so that's a bit of an issue. So we get some reports from Alien, who is a Roman teacher of rhetoric. Wait, Alien as an alien? Basically, yes. Uh, same word? Written it's written Alien. Oh, okay. I was so but, I, yeah, for close. a moment I was like, this does not sound like a Roman name, yeah. but who incidentally is also the only Greek or Roman to mention Gilgamesh. Oh, cool alien. Yeah, but he's writing like 500 years in the future and that's the only source we have. So mm. shovels of salt with this right. information. Okay, okay. Because apparently Alien tells us that Artaxerxes personally sacrificed the Apis bull. Again, like Cambyses. Again, yeah. <sighs> and not only that, he replaced it with a donkey. And this is the reason he was nicknamed Donkey by the Egyptians. I... Although the translation I had of Alien says that his nickname was Ass, so use that <laughs> as you will. Listen, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think there's any truth to this, honestly. Knowing how Greeks and Romans tend to see the Achaemenids, yeah. Especially with the mention of the Apis bull, I'm like, there's no way. I mean, here, unlike Cambyses, we don't have any Egyptian sources that contradict this, but, you know, it's still weird. But do we have any other sources that no, support really. it? Yeah, exactly. We just have the general murdery vibe that he's giving off. Yeah. Which, to be fair, that is accurate. That's, yeah, uh, he, he has yeah. killed people. It's not doing great. But yeah, so finally, now the Empire has been reunited. Artaxerxes is ready to restart his silver age and ensure that everything is going well. Hmm. It is now the greatest extent the empire has been since Darius the Great. So, impressive. Well, yeah, incredible. To ensure that his goal is fulfilled, Artaxerxes goes on a vast reorganization of the empire because it's not enough to just hold on to everything. The empire has been holding on to the old methods it had, slowly becoming more entrenched in its views, mm -hmm. slowly becoming more sclerotic. Artaxerxes has decided he's going to do away with all the dust and cobwebs and ensure that everything is back to its shining self. So he reorganizes the imperial apparatus, strengthens the central authority that had decayed in recent decades, tries to curb some of the more independentist satraps to ensure that the empire can hold better together. And not only that, he's the first ruler to build a new palace in Persepolis since Xerxes. Ooh. Ooh. The first. Of course. So he is managing to restore everything and ensure that, well, there is a new setup and that the Empire can proceed as it was meant to and we don't have to deal with the old decaying system that was just making do. I, listen, I am very impressed, not because this is like out of the blue or completely out of question to do, but because, yeah, this is what you should be doing. This not only conquer new things for the Empire, but then make sure that that Empire works and that it can support itself and that is going to work out, especially because the bigger the empire, the harder it is to keep together. And so, hey, Artaxerxes, look at you, doing the thing. Yeah, it's doing a very good job. And well, it's one of those things that take a lot of hard work, but they show their results. So what Darius the Great yeah, did when yeah, he started, exactly. he had to reform the empire to ensure they could withstand the future centuries. Yeah. So awesome. And with this newly great and stable empire, Artaxerxes now has to deal with noises from Greece. Because overall, he tries to start a policy of friendship with all the Greeks. He's decided that in my new empire, I don't want to have to worry about Greek pirates raiding my coastal cities every other year. I don't this want has been going on for any too long. Let's end this. Just, no. So he tries to get friendship with all the different Greek cities. But as I mentioned, there is a new star rising. That of Perfect. Philip of Macedon. Tell me about it. So Artaxerxes tries to make friends with Philip. He tries to say, okay, listen, if you want to be my vassal again, like Alexander I of Macedon mm -hmm. was to Xerxes, I'm up for it. You it know, worked out then. Just be nice. It could work out now. Yeah. But in uh, 346, Philip was recognized as hegemon of Greece as an official title. Ooh. And there were calls for him to take advantage of the turmoil in the Achaemenid Empire, so all the rebellions and the war in Egypt, to invade. Mm -hmm. But Philip refused because he had to stabilize some things at home. There were some northern barbarians he had to deal with. Uh, too many Bit things, too much stress. Maybe later. Yeah. Also, it seems that a lot of the Greek city-states were starting to get wary of the Macedonians. 
because Athens sends a letter to Artaxerxes saying, Hey, Artaxerxes, would you mind attacking Philip for us, please? Oh, interesting. We're scared. Very interesting. I love that they are catching on kind of how we were, or the way that Artabasus also did, which is, hmm, this region is becoming incredibly powerful. And maybe Thebes won't be for much longer. I will go towards, the, you know, like, like they're catching on that, like, maybe a shift in power yeah. is happening. Yeah, they're trying to understand that the Athenians are, haven't been a great power. <laughs> rather, the Athenians haven't been the dominant power in about 100 years, yes. but they're trying to preserve their situation. They don't want to be subject to a king, yeah. you know, Ugh. if they're Macedonian, that's gross. <laughs> so at this point, Artaxerxes receives this letter, but... He isn't convinced. He stabilized his empire. He wants to keep administering it and making yeah, it prosperous. Yeah, why would prosperous. you go? Why, in your sane mind, would you go into a war with this other place that like seems to be pretty powerful? Unless you want to nip it in the bud, but like you're trying to make acquaintance with them, right? And like be on friendly terms. Like, do we really need to go into a war for nothing? Like just to appease the Athenians who we don't like? Yeah, exactly. And there's also <laughs> a lot of work to do at home, so. Yeah. It's not like he has nothing to do. Everyone's busy right now. So yeah, so he sends the, the Athenians a nice message saying, hey, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> we'll call you up if we need you eventually, but cool. You deal with it. But then Philip starts to look a bit threatening because he besieges the city of Perinthus, which was one of the cities dominating the crossing from Europe into Asia. <laughs> so if he takes that city, well, road into Asia is pretty yep, open. Strategically important. Yeah. So Artaxerxes is not happy with this. In fact, he sends an army under one of his generals towards Perinthus to help the city and ensure that Philip doesn't take it. Mm. And he provides enough resources that Philip decides that, you know, he's going to back off. While Artaxerxes was attacking Egypt, he was distracted. Egypt is now Achaemenid again. The empire is stabilizing. Yeah. Philip sees this situation and decides, okay, fine, maybe later. Yeah, maybe not the best moment. So he right abandons now. the siege of Perinthus. I'll wait for a more unstable moment. Yeah, exactly. So he abandons the city of Perinthus, and, well, Artaxerxes has once again proven that, yeah. yes, the Greeks might be able to irritate the empire, but they're not going to try and invade it. They're not a menace anymore. Yeah. And actually, all of this is heard a lot in Greece. Mm hmm. Because there were a series of politicians in Greece that were calling for a grand, full Greek invasion of the Achaemenid Empire. <laughs> yeah, you go ahead. Try it. <laughs> yeah. Now that the empire is stable and in its silver age, they're all silent. Oh, surprise. Because they see the empire is in order and they say, oh, oh, oh dear, they're not collapsing anymore. Let's, yeah, let's stay home. They had a little maybe. bit of hope there with Artaxerxes II, with like how the empire ended. Things were going out of control. <gasps> Surprise, we're back. Yeah, so perfect. We're doing really, really well. But back at home, Artaxerxes also has time to make a family. So he married, apparently, a niece of his. Mm -hmm. And also the niece of that Artashata I mentioned earlier, the strong dude. Right. Yes. And they have, apparently, three known children. A girl called Parasatis, oh. after grandma. Well. Why not? Oof. And a boy called Arces. Mm -hmm. There's also another known son called Bisthanes, but he seems to be some sort of uh, either son of a concubine or something, mm -hmm. but he pops up okay. a little bit later on. He's not too important, but okay, okay. You know, we know him. But yeah, we know that he definitely has more children, but they come up in this story that I'm about to tell you. Oh, all right, well. Because at this point, Artaxerxes and all of his children were at a great feast in uh, the capital and they're feasting having a great time enjoying themselves rejoicing in the riches of the empire and the fact that finally everything has been restored the greeks are scared of us again as they should be and <laughs> hooray everything is perfect we're building a new palace in persepolis so we can awesome. celebrate now finally yes artaxerxes then goes to take a drink of his wine oh boy and uh all his other sons go take a drink uh -huh. make a toast bottoms up down we go my spidey sense is tingling. At which point Artaxerxes coughs. Uh-huh. Coughs some more. Oh, no. And he starts oh. 
Then he starts coughing very, very much. Oh, dear. And he falls down dead. Oh, no. Together with all of his sons. Oh, my God. Except Arcee's. Aha. I see. Mysterious. I wonder who poisoned the cups. Yes. At which point from the shadows, you see coming the eunuch Bagoas, who had been rewarded for his loyal service. Oh, so this guy, just, you said it's not that guy. I was like, well, I guess he won't be that important apart from being a general. <laughs> I guessed wrong. Nope. And he goes up to the young, impressionable Prince Arces, who has so recently lost all of his family and says, my condolences, oh my, my king. Oh my Don't God. worry, I'll be a good advisor to you. Uh, what? This is excellent. I love this. And that is the end of the episode of Artaxerxes the Third. Stay tuned for the reign of Arces, also known as Artaxerxes the Fourth. Another Artaxerxes. Well, I guess Arces. It's popular. Uh, or you know, Bagoas, really. But <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much the reign of Bagoas. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. Oh my god, that's so good. So. That's excellent. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Artaxerxes the Third? I'm honestly very impressed that everything went as well as it did, that he actually managed to get everything under control. I was really worried that we were entering a big period of terrible, terribleness already with Artaxerxes II. But hey, we, we might last a bit longer, you know? Yeah, managed to at least restore the empire to something that isn't going to collapse. Exactly, exactly. It. I mean, obviously, I am aware of how many episodes we have to get through. Like, I don't expect the Empire to dissolve anytime soon. <laughs> but we could have an era of bad, dark ages before it comes back. Mm -hmm. Or, I don't know. So, hey. We very, definitely will. Yeah. I, yeah, see. I'm wait, waiting for that. But, yeah, no, very impressed. Very pleasantly surprised that things are going so well. That he managed to do all these things. That, like, the plans were smart. The, the strategy was smart. Then things went well obviously with the battles and the conquering and just yeah just uh you know very murdery but uh it did the job and without being overtly i mean i was going to say it wasn't parasatis who like would create a chamber specifically to murder people but like he did kill <laughs> like a hundred of his siblings yeah so you yeah. know one king i enjoyed it all right so let's get to rating him and see how he stacks up against the other Artaxerxes. Yeah, Artaxerxes. Okay, so first category is final moments. How interesting was his death? Oh, I loved this. Being poisoned I loved together this. with all his sons, um, except one. It was great. I mean, poison, sure, we've seen it before. But just the circumstances and the fact that it was Begoas and just, yeah, like I did not expect this comeback. I was just plot twist. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> secretly working for this all along. That was fun. That was very fun. I really enjoyed it. So, I think I would rate it a seven, probably. Uh, yeah, I'm also I'm also pretty impressed. So let me say a seven. Hmm. I think it's on the more interesting side. I'm going on a six, not a seven, because right. it could have been more, but still works out well. Yeah. Okay, so let's give it a 6 and a 7, which gives us a total of 6.5 out of 10 oh for Final Moments, which is our coolest deaths in Sogdianus, which, yeah. fair enough. Hard to top. Next category is Battle Hardness. How good was he at fighting and conquering and war and all that? Uh, fighting, personally, I have no idea. But if we go following the conquests and the things that he either conquered or reconquered, like I would say pretty good, right? Yeah, went, he did a really good job. Great. Just to summarize what happened, he managed to, first of all, su suppress the tribes, the Caducians, mm -hmm. that had defeated Artaxerxes II. Right. Next, he managed to suppress the last remnants of the Satraps' revolt, uh -huh. which was cool. And then, most importantly, I'd say, he managed to conquer Egypt yeah, from scratch. Yeah, that. Honestly, five points just for that, for me. I would be inclined to agree. Yes. And that after that, he managed to threaten the Greeks enough militarily yeah. that they stop talking about trying to invade. Yeah. So I think it's pretty good, honestly. I'm not... Uh, yeah. I don't think it's like the highest. I don't think it was any... You know, he wasn't fighting insurmountable odds or anything. No, but, but like, did he lose an important... He's rebuilt the empire yeah. militarily. He didn't lose anything significant yeah. that we know of. I'd go for eight or nine, I think. 
Eight or nine, okay. Maybe an eight. And I feel like for a nine or a ten, you need to do something particularly impressive. Yeah. But... Yeah, just as a reference, nine is what you gave to Cyrus and Darius the Great. Yeah, uh, but listen, stabilizing an empire that might have collapsed no, no, otherwise and reconquering Egypt? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, I'm going for an eight. I regret nothing. <laughs> oh, actually, eight is what Cyrus got. Ooh. There you go. And nine is Darius. But eight? Hmm. Yeah, I'm also seven or eight, really. Because it's really impressive. He did such a great job. If you think my eight is a bit too much, then go for a seven yourself. And we have a balanced, you know, average. I think so, yes. I think that he did a good job, but it's nothing that makes me say, wow, oh, yeah. this is incredible. Like, who knows how you did this? You know, Cyrus managed to conquer, like, two of the four kingdoms that existed, yeah. full stop. You know, that's Different times, I, different yeah, times. I'd say a seven. Oh, of course, yeah. So 7 and 8 gives him a 15 out of 20 for battle hardness. The highest score since Darius the Great. Yeah, we've been waiting for this. He's been doing very well. Next category is scheminess. How good was he at plots? Oh, I love this. Scheminess. This was fun. I've missed this. Ever since Darius, we haven't had <laughs> Darius the Great. We haven't had that many things. So Yeah, Artaxerxes, he has a lot of scheming. So to start with... Oh, also, just because I just remembered in battle hardness... He did help his father during this, the Great Satrap oh, Revolt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it starts early. Yeah. So, I'm so happy with the 7 and 8, but yeah. Mm -hmm. anyway. But scheminess, what did he do? So he started before his reign. So he first schemed to get the throne. Right. Which is great. <laughs> he forced poor, I mean, Amazing, yeah. You need to be assertive in this business. Listen, it's a hard <laughs> world out there. He forced his poor brother to kill himself, which, Oof. eh, yeah. not great. Okay. By spreading rumors and all that. Gaslating, manipulating much. Oof. Yeah, and he had another brother that was just before him murdered as well mm. to get the throne. The one, the son, the concubine. Yes. And then afterwards, uh, it's not super schemey during his reign, but he does have all of his siblings yeah, murdered. You know, I feel like he's very, like, strategically opportunistic. He's like, oh, this is what has to be done. And not, it doesn't matter if it's in military or in politics or in more, you know, subtle ways. He actually keeps on top of these things. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, yeah, and otherwise, as plots, he doesn't have too much in the way of plots during his reign. Not that I can think of right now. He's fairly straightforward military commander. So schemes, yeah, I would say it's mostly sibling murder, really, his schemes. Yeah. <laughs> There's right, nothing right. much else. Well, the traitor to get his way for the city. You know. Oh, that's true. In, that in was Sidon. really good. Yeah, that's true. I enjoyed that one. I could. That's definitely an extra point for me. Yes, good point. Yeah, so I'd say I'd say one point for the for the betraying for the city of Sidon. Yes. I'd say one more point for killing all his siblings because you know once you're king, it's not that difficult. I assume. <laughs> I guess. And then another couple points for scheming to get the throne. I feel like yeah, four is what I was going to go. Yeah, I was going aid. to go for a four. I agree. So okay, fair enough. Okay, so perfect. So four and a four gives him an eight out of 20 for scheminess, which matches Sogdianus. Nice. Fun. Next category is shock factor. How shocking was he? How terrifying? How murdery? How well, scandalous? Honestly, quite a bit. Not the most we've seen so far, but I feel like, you know, the sources were also not doing him any favors. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'd say more than average, but uh, nothing particularly... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say, well, shock factor, he, again, the murders yeah. are a thing he did. The, <laughs> yeah, whoopsie. Yeah, the eventually killing the king of Sidon mm -hmm. after he'd given him that. That was just good strategy, honestly. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, honestly. I mean, there's the raising the walls of the Egyptian cities, mm -hmm. but, you know, can you blame him? Yeah, no, that's, again, that's just what you do if you want to keep yeah. Also, when his soldiers are looting Pelusium, he forces them to stop and executes the perpetrators. So that's pretty good. Yeah. And uh, then, it, again, there's the murder of the Apis bull, but... I don't think that's... How yeah. much do you really want to give to that? So, yeah, shock factor. I honestly expected to be more yeah, shocked. Yeah, because it was <laughs> like, my we established research, he but... was kind of murdery. But then, yeah. if I you... Mean, I feel like he definitely deserved points for killing 100 Yeah, no, yes, yeah, obviously. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, but apart from but that... But beyond that... Eh. It just makes sense when you're at war. Of course, I'm not condoning any of these acts, but none of them stuck out to me as, you know, wow, yeah. what is this? 
Yeah, and it doesn't feel like he's doing it gratuitously because no. he just can. He's just doing it because this is what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. The Empire's collapsing. I need to pull it together. No. So shock factor, I'd say... Maybe a two? Two only. Nah, I'm going four as well, like Schemius, because... Okay. Fair enough. It's a hundred siblings. <laughs> it's so many. <laughs> okay, so you're sticking with your two? Yeah, yeah. Was not okay, impressed. So four and a two for Sorry. shock factor gives us a six out of 20, which is actually quite low for everybody. He doesn't even pass Artaxerxes too. <laughs> okay, next category I think is going to be good for him, and it is Eren Shine. Yes. How good was he for the Empire? Finally. He restored it. We love it. We love to see it. Yes. Excellent. Yeah, so what did he do? He stabilized the Empire internally, defeated the Caducians, defeated the remains of the Satraps revolts, yes. scared away the Greeks, yes. took back Egypt that had been gone yes. for 65 years. This. Only that? Honestly, great. Like, even if it had only been that. But it's not stopping yeah. here. Yeah, then he restructured the Empire to ensure that it sort of lost a bit of its cobwebs that mm -hmm. were accumulating, and was the first person since Xerxes I to build a full new palace in Persepolis, yeah, which is showing that things are going very well. It truly, like, he gave a full-on makeover to the Empire. I'm very impressed. Yeah, I'm very high up do with it, this. I don't do know it. what yes. exactly to do. I will go for a nine. My heart says uh, it's the correct thing to do. I was so worried the Empire was going to fall, and it didn't. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, I'm also oscillating between... I'm in the eight to ten space. I see. Although... 10, not really, because there are still some problems. The problem is that he was murdered too early yeah. to fully complete his plan. Damn it. Which isn't his fault, but... Eh. Uh, but there are still some issues, and... Yeah, yeah you know what? I'm going for... Mm -hmm. Is he better than Xerxes the first, though? What? Different mm. situation. That's true. You know what? Yes. Artaxerxes III was given nothing exactly. and built up a huge empire. Xerxes was given a golden age and Whoa. did fine. People are going to be Sorry, so mad us. at this. <laughs> you are going to be so mad at this. <laughs> but yes, I'm giving him a nine for Eren Shine. All right, let's go. So you're going for nine as well? Yeah. Nine and nine for Eren Shine is an 18 out of it 20. It rhymes. It's perfect. Perfect. Making him the fourth highest score after Cyrus the Great, Darius the Great, and Cyaxares the Great. <laughs> We're going to get so much so. backlash for this. Love it. Can't wait for all your tweets. All right. <laughs> okay, so next category is face of faces. What do you think this man looked like? What does the restorer of the world? Oh god, I haven't I do not <laughs> I do not have an image. What scene would work? Oh boy. Okay, so let me look up Serial's drawing. And we can see what Artaxerxes really looks like. Ooh, I like it even though I can only see half of it. So that's a good sign. Aha, nice. So in this wonderful, wonderful portrait, we have Artaxerxes III, our beautiful boy, with a wonderful beard and the typical Persian hat that we have become accustomed to. Right. Proudly displaying a pharaonic crown with the upper and lower Egypt represented, saying, at last, my empire's complete again. As well, he should. If you get it, you get it. <laughs> okay, so now let me show you what he actually looks like. What does this person person like? Oh, yeah, let's so, see. So, let me actually show you. I was actually going to add some extra blood, you know, for all the murders, but I figured, uh, <laughs> you know. That's fine. It doesn't show up in black and white very well. Exactly. It's okay. His coat is actually blood Yeah, yeah, that is all, yeah, tell. it's covered in blood. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, so here's a first look, because we had two different drawings. One from his tomb, which we're going to use to rate him, and another one from a coin, because we're getting stuff on coins now, Ooh, but it's from another satrap, so that's Fun. why I chose not to yeah, okay. represent it. But they're both contemporary, so there we go. So this is the standard tomb portrait. Serial, if you might describe it. Oh, yeah, okay, so we've seen some many like this, honestly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Cool flowy robes with nice foldings on them. It's a relief, obviously, on stone and on a profile. Robes, curly hair put in some kind of hairdo, the long beard, the hat, and the bow. Yeah, it looks like an Achaemenid king. Yeah, I was hoping more from him since he was so transformative, but yeah. oh well. Looks like what I expected. But the second bit sort of followed your lead because he has the pharaonic crown on his head oh, after fun. conquering Egypt. This that. is from a coin. I like this. 
So he's sitting on a chair holding a staff with, is it the Abra's bull? Like, is that a bull head or what is I it? I don't think it's a bull. I think it's just a staff. Okay, well, holding a staff. <laughs> Honestly, it's and some sort of staff a- head. Chalice? I think it's the usual flower that they have, okay. you know, like in Persepolis as well. Holding a flower and a staff with the Baryonic crown on his head. This is very fun. I like all the detail that it has. It's a good It is very impressive for a tiny coin, yeah. which, Damn. you know, you wouldn't think. Interesting. But yeah, so there we go. This is Artaxerxes, our boy, and his face of faces. What are you going on for rating? That was very fun. And it is contemporary, so... Yes, exactly. Um, I like the coin. The coin was very good. I think I'll go for like a... We can consider the coin in, in the rating as well, if you like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is him, right? So. Yeah, they're both contemporary, so yeah, sure, why not? Say, I did like the coin. I was going to say the other, the relief was not that impressive, just because, I mean, it is well-preserved, which is it's nice. It's the usual but it's, one. Yeah, yeah, That's kind no surprises of the, there. The so, downside, really. Yeah, probably like a seven. I was also thinking seven, All right, actually. Cool. So, Excellent. Yeah. Go with a nice 7 and a 7, which gives him a 3.5 out of 5, which is the best-looking king since Xerxes. So, congratulations. Well, you know, like... Xerxes first, of course. <laughs> and finally, our last score is lengthiness. How long do you think this man reigned? Well, apparently not long enough, because he was murdered, and according to you, he could have yeah. done much more, so... I'm assuming he wasn't that old when he was murdered. I don't know. How long did he take to do all of this? How long do you think it would take to restore the empire, take Egypt? Honestly, but a long time, but apparently he was very good at it. So I'm going to say 20 years. That's exactly correct. Let's from... go! Ah, I'm so good. <laughs> from 358 <laughs> to 338 BC, that is 20 years, which divided by 10 is two points out of five for lengthiness. Which leads us to a final score, which is very, very nice and interesting, which is 59 out of 100. Ooh. Do you know how high ranked that makes him? Pretty up there, I think. He is the second highest oh ranked king God. of kings. No way! Just after Darius the Great. That is... Just above Cambyses, Cyaxares, okay, 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 listen, and Cyrus. Listen, I was going to say, I was going to say, that is not fair i was like oh this is not really like it doesn't reflect but but why not why not actually it does like he, like, it he does was amazing him. he did so many things for the empire he restored it to essentially almost his former glory like he made a stable empire he reconquered egypt he did all these things yeah no you know what yeah artaxerxes the third go my man like he yeah. did amazing he deserves to be the second highest rated of our kings so congratulations there we go But this leads us to a final question where I think we have more of a discussion than we would have had in other times. Where we need to ask, is he fascinating enough, ambitious enough, successful enough to be called a Shahan Shah? Or is he just a Shahan Na like his ancestors? I don't know. I don't know if it's because we've seen so many already that I can't remember all of them. And so the first ones are always like, oh, of course, I remember Xerxes and Darius and Cyrus. (laughs) And now I'm like, who are the rest? (laughs) But... I I don't know. I mean, know. I think that he is just the most... I mean, again, this might be an issue with sources and everything. Yes. That's always something you need to keep in mind. But he has been the most active king since Xerxes I, who was True. our last Shah and yes. Shah. All the other ones that were in this later Achaemenid period were mostly just keeping the boat going. They weren't restoring yeah. anything. They were just accepting that it kept going. And sure, they had some interesting things, there were some interesting plots and all that, but the empire was just slowly going into a slump. Artaxerxes took the empire that had almost collapsed just a few years before his accession and restored it to its former glory, ensuring that it was... It was so impressive. Like, I did not expect, I fully did not expect to be this impressed. Yeah, that's why I think I'm going for a shot and shot. You are? Hmm. You're going for... I don't know. You're doubtful. I don't know. Why are you doubtful? Because I don't, because, because what happened that was so, why would I tell my friends about this? (sighs) I guess, but you could say, you know, he's a bit like Aurelian for the Romans, where it's like, everything seemed absolutely horrifying. But I love Aurelian. Yeah, I I know. mm, (laughs) Aurelian actually deserves, you know. (laughs) I, you know what? Yes, sure. I feel like I talked you out of 
one before or into one before. <laughs> I don't know. We've had this conversation. So Think yeah. You talk me out of one or something. Yeah. yeah. Let's yeah. Yeah, why not? Yeah, let's make Insan Shah. Let's go. Let's Perfect. make everyone mad at us Woo! at the comments. <laughs> I won't the read fine, them. The so. <laughs> cool. Okay, so congratulations, Artaxerxes the Third, Ocus, for being Woo! the first Shah and Shah in over a century. Congratulations. Amazing. You can go back to the Paradise Gardens with your great ancestors, Xerxes the First, Darius the Great, Cyrus oh the Great, and Cyaxares. And you can keep your head up proud, knowing that though they created an empire, you restored one. So congratulations. So good. All right. Yeah. So that is the end of today's episode. Yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for making it all the way through to the end. And as always, yeah, notes exactly. will be somewhere. Go to our webpage. Yes, and... everything is in the notes. And if you think we've given you enough entertainment to write a small review for us, wherever you can review us, that'd be nice. Thank you. Yeah, that's very helpful. And otherwise, just take care of yourselves and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Yeah, have a good week. Bye.